This is Harney's Offshore Litigation Podcast. My name is Ian Mann, and I am joined by my colleague here in Hong Kong, uh, Chai Ridges, who is our head of restructuring. Welcome, Chai. Thanks for coming. Thank you very much, Ian. Great to be here. Such a pleasure to finally have you on on the show, so to speak. And the topic of today's podcast is the use of parallel schemes arrangement in cross-border restructurings. Are you qualified to talk about that, Chai? I certainly hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so listen, we're going to look at how um, or why we need parallel schemes of arrangement, if in fact we do, and in particular we're looking at the situation of a cross-border restructuring of an offshore company, let's say a Cayman Islands uh, BVI or Bermuda company, that is listed here in Hong Kong or who has major operations uh, or assets um, in Hong Kong. Um, and that's the scenario in which we're going to analyze uh, five different um, particular scenarios. We're going to go through each of those um, in turn. But I suppose, Chai, we need to start with... Um, setting the scene. Se- setting the scene, exactly. Uh, cue, cue theme music, um, which is really... Um, we are trying to stop disruption to a scheme of arrangement if done in Hong Kong um, vis-a-vis an offshore company. We're, we're trying to sort of plug the holes in other places to make sure that no one wrecks uh, our restructuring in another place, in, a, in another jurisdiction. Um, and that, I guess, all comes back down to Gibbs, doesn't it? I think it does, Ian. Um, w- would it be helpful maybe just to remind our audience of the, the rule in Gibbs? Well, not just the audience. You could tell me. I'd like to be educated. Fantastic. Well, Gibbs is a case that dates back to 1890, um, but it deals with the general proposition that a debt governed by English law cannot be discharged or compromised by a foreign insolvency proceeding. Um, Now, we can sort of take it a, a little bit further because the proposition is such that a discharge of a debt under the insolvency law of a foreign country is only treated as a discharge in England and Wales if it is a discharge under the law applicable to that underlying contract. So that's really um, what Gibbs is all about. Now, I can see our producer yawning because you mentioned an 1890 case. This is still good law, is it, Gibbs? Well, it is indeed, <laughs> thank God, in, in England and Wales. Yeah, and that's the court, just quickly, that's the Court of Appeal in England, Bank of Azerbaijan and, and Swearbank, um, where, I mean, leave to appeal, permission to appeal to the Privy Council is refused, and Gibbs is, is basically uh, reiterated and, and re-established. So we are all... Um, not stuck, but but Gibbs still applies in, in the Caribbean jurisdictions. There's certainly no inkling that that Gibbs will be disciplined in any way. Um, listen, we promised people five scenarios. Let's crack on, shall we? So scenario number one: a Hong Kong scheme of arrangement seeking to vary a Hong Kong law governed contractual obligation of a company incorporated in the Cayman Islands. So Cayman Islands company, Hong Kong law governed debt. Uh, what do I do, Chai? Uh, thanks, Ian. I mean, I'm hoping the audience will agree this is a, a relatively straightforward scenario. And it's certainly our view that it's not strictly necessary 
to take further steps in the Cayman Islands, i.e. to have parallel schemes of arrangement in this instance, this scenario, to ensure that a restructuring has practical effect. Uh, this is basically because the variation under Hong Kong law of that Hong Kong law governed facility agreement, let's say, will be effective in the Cayman Islands by virtue of the operation in Gibbs. In fact, it's full compliance with Gibbs. Hong Kong court doing what it likes over Hong Kong law governed debt, right? That, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So yeah. um, hopefully that's the, you know, a short, short, snappy um, answer that our audience will agree with as well. But suppose you have um, a creditor seeking to take action in the Cayman Islands. Ah, well, that's very different. That's where you do need to have your uh, parallel scheme in order to bind that disgruntled creditor to the jurisdiction of the Cayman Islands so they can't unravel um, years of hard negotiating um, amongst the other creditor group and the the company as well. So what do you do, wait until someone sues or files a petition in the Cayman Islands and then defensively say, aha, but it's all Gibbs compliant, we are okay? No, I don't think so. I think you promulgate the two schemes together. They are parallel to each other and interconditional. Yeah, just to, to plug all the holes. Let me ask you this question, if I may, Ian. Scenario two, a Hong Kong scheme of arrangement seeks only to vary, for example, New York law governed contractual obligations of a company incorporated in the Cayman Islands and that company obtains recognition of the scheme in New York pursuant to Chapter 15 of the US Bankruptcy Code. What, what do we do in that scenario? Well, it, I mean, it all starts with Gibbs and a Hong Kong court cannot um, go around changing the contractual obligations of New York law governed debt in the Gibbs world. Um, but in this case, you have said that Chapter 15 would be sought. So a Cayman Islands court, because the Cayman Islands applies Gibbs, would not recognise uh, Hong Kong's um, alteration of the New York debt. But there's a pragmatic point here, which is if you get Chapter 15, um, my understanding of New York law, having having done it once or twice uh, before in, in these uh, restructuring cases, is that if um, a Hong Kong scheme altering New York law is recognised uh, by virtue of the, the Chapter 15, then that is um, formally recognising and forcing the compromises within the scheme. And so that is a variation as a matter of New York law. So, so you're done. Um, so you would definitely need to get both Hong Kong and um, uh, you know Chapter 15 locked up. And it may be that you don't need to go to the Cayman Islands unless you think there is some you know, material uncertainty uh, over that, that New York law issue and whether or not there's any risk depending on you know, the, the creditor pool um, as to whether they, they might be sneaky and, and, or aggressive and try and take action in the Cayman Islands. Now, they're not going to do that if they've got a place of business in the States, because who's, right. who's going to ignore a chapter of it? So again, it's not really law, is it? It's more sort of, you know, uh, commercial pragmatism. Okay. Um, scenario three, then. Suppose we have a Hong Kong scheme of arrangement 
which includes a variation of English law governed debt contractual obligations of a company uh, incorporated in the Cayman Islands. What's our answer, Chai? Well, a very good question, Ian. I think in this scenario, it would be necessary to take further steps um, in the Cayman Islands to ensure that the restructuring has practical effect. And, and that's largely because the variation of English law governed obligations by a Hong Kong scheme of arrangement would not be effective in the Cayman Islands because it's it's a breach of the Gibbs rule. Yeah. So to give effect to the compromise of the English law governed contractual obligations in the Cayman Islands, it would be necessary either to uh, promote a parallel scheme of arrangement in the Cayman Islands um, as well as in England and Wales. Mm. I think it's as uh, straightforward as that. Now, for disruptive dissentient creditors, to use um, the expression by um, Mr Justice Lawrence Collins as he was in Drax Holdings, those dissentient creditors can either petition to wind up or they can seek to enforce against a subsidiary, usually shares offshore, mm, that's right. of a company. Um, if there are no assets in England, then actually they wouldn't be able to do either of those in England, and the risk of, of England being a venue for those dissentient creditors is pretty low, isn't it? So you might just get away with doing the scheme, depending on the context, uh, just in Hong Kong and, and Cayman, wouldn't you? That, that's right, and you know we can look at, for example, the uh, restructuring of Kaiser, where, from mm. recollection, I think we had convertible bond debt that was governed by... Um, English law, but there was no English law scheme, um, only Cayman Islands and Hong Kong for, for that uh, exact reason. Yeah, actually good point. So a practical example, a real life example. Scenario four, a Hong Kong scheme of arrangement includes a debt for equity swap, so a restructuring 101 in relation to a company incorporated in the Cayman Islands. There's a difficult point here, isn't there? Uh, I, I don't think so, Ian, actually. I think it's pretty straightforward again. You know, a, a debt for equity swap raises issues of the law of the country of incorporation, irrespective of the law governing the the compromise, the debt compromise. So, and, and that's sorry to interrupt, but that, that's basically because shares in a Cayman Islands company, by operation of private international law, are, are sitest or located um, in in the place of the company's in, uh, place of incorporation. That's the Cayman, that's Islands. Right. Cayman Islands law governs. Yeah, that, okay. that's right. So, you know, in order to give practical effect to a debt for equity swap, it may be necessary, for example to vary or suspend certain rights such as preemption rights arising under the scheme company's constitutional documents yeah, which again yeah, yeah. is why you you go back to the Cayman Islands the the jurisdiction of incorporation but let me ask you this Ian which I think is perhaps the fifth scenario a Hong Kong scheme of arrangement seeks to vary or compromise the rights of members of a company incorporated in the Cayman Islands. I mean, do, do we need a scheme of arrangement in in that respect, you know, a parallel scheme of arrangement or a Cayman scheme of arrangement? Well, I had to listen very carefully there because I can't read your handwriting for the rehearsal, but um, I think you, you, it's a member scheme. And so you're trying to catch me out. I mean, a member scheme, um, it, is, it goes back to what we discussed in, in scenario four. That is a Cayman Islands law question. And... Um, you know, I, I can't imagine um, a foreign court seeking to 
promote a scheme you know, extraterritorially, um, you know, vis-a-vis uh, some other jurisdictions share capital. It just, it seems uh, very unlikely. And in fact, I say that with such confidence because I can actually quote in Drax Holdings, Mr. Justice Lawrence Collins, who says, it's almost impossible to envision circumstances in which an English court could properly exercise its jurisdiction in relation to a scheme arrangement between a foreign company and its members. So I'm pretty confident to say uh, no, you would need to have a scheme in Cayman uh, for a member's scheme, maybe coupled with a Hong Kong one. And of course, for a lot of restructurings, like the recent one of, of China Agritech that we did, you had um, both a, a debt scheme and then a capital reduction uh, application in the Cayman Islands. And that's because that capital, share capital, is equity, which is the business of the Cayman Islands court. Um, wow, so thank you very much, uh, Chai. That's all the time we have uh, for on this occasion. I assume if we pay you the same fee that we paid you this time, you'll be returning for another appearance? <laughs> yes, it'd be my pleasure and you can also buy me a drink. <laughs> I'll ask my producer. Thank you very much, Chai. Thank you, Ian.